Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Gardening Today. I'm Melissa Burdick, and I'm here with Jessica Krupika, and we're talking all things gardening today. Uh, we've been talking moonflowers and lunar eclipses and, and uh, mums and bulbs and irises and all kinds of good things. And uh, we actually just had a caller, Donna, uh, has called in. And let's see here. Hi, Donna. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. And you have a question for us. Yes, uh, a couple questions about two different things. Uh, the first one being the sweet potato vine. Okay. Uh, I have quite a few of them, plants that I put in containers. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that they've had a lot of holes in the leaves. Yeah. And, and I see little ants around there. So um, I'm not sure if, uh, what I could use on those to keep those insects away and... Mm-hmm keep them looking good. Well, the ants probably aren't causing any troubles or issues. Um, There's a lot of creatures that like to eat sweet potato vines, usually beetle-type critters will Uh. will go after them. Um, It's not going to hurt the plant at all. What you could consider doing is trimming the plant back a little bit, getting some of the older eaten foliage off. Now, sweet potatoes can go absolutely bonkers um they're they're vigorous and healthy and abundant plants so it's not going to hurt the potato at all sweet potato at all to get a little bit trimmed up um if you really wanted to treat it with something um you could try something like a a a seven dust which is a pretty potent um insecticide jessica you might have some ideas on some more organic options you could also do like an insecticidal soap yes even there's some recipes uh with you know using like a Dawn, Dawn dish mm-hmm. soap. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. It's basically going to keep those pests at bay. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, sweet potato vines can be a little more susceptible to that. Yeah. Yeah, and as soon as, you know, you do a little trim back, they're, they're going to push out new foliage in an instant uh, because they are so vigorous. Now, one of the things I, I find, I have issues with my ornamental sweet potato. They, they're water hogs in the pot. Mm-hmm. They, my mm-hmm. other things that are in there with it kind of end up getting dried out because they can't compete quite as well uh, with the sweet potato because it's just sucking up all the moisture. Yeah, I have geraniums with mine. Oh, very nice. Oh, yeah. They, that's what they're doing. Yep, yep. Now, that's actually a good pairing because geranium can get a little bit drier. Mine I have with um, some New Guinea patients, and they just wilt and droop like crazy when they're competing with the, with the sweet potato they don't uh they're not fond of the really bright sunlight right i mean in the sun the uh the new guinea impatience uh no the uh, sweet potato vine no actually no they can take full blazing sun i mean they're they're the same kind of sweet potato as you would grow as a vegetable so imagine them in a field um and and they can actually take really really high heat and um they can take a little bit droughty weather. They will crash a little bit, but they bounce at, bounce back pretty well. Yeah, they have been like in the morning. Yeah. They look a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the high heat. They'll kind of make them droop a little bit, but then they'll bounce right back. Yeah. Um, my second question, uh, you're talking about the moonflowers. Yes. Um, which I really love, too. And uh, 
but back in the day, many years ago, I would say at least 30 years ago, uh, I used to have the moonflowers in a bush variety. Okay. And they were beautiful. Uh, they, they were like little hedges. I mean, if you wanted to plant them that way. I, on the other, other hand, just had one big bush. They okay. bloom really these giant flowers out, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen them in the garden centers anywhere in that form. I, I right, right now I have just a, my first try of the moonflower vine. Uh-huh. And it's just got this one little spindly vine coming up the trellis. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's going to make anything this year, but uh, you have to plant them every year. Is that correct? Yeah, the the moonflower vine yeah. you do. Um, now we actually, it's interesting you mentioned the bush the bush uh, moonflower that you have. We did have a. Uh, listener text in that they have a moonflower that's more like a bush that comes back every year and um, that's that's one of the things that makes common names difficult because a lot of different things might be called moonflower mm-hmm. I know when I first came to Iowa I went to a greenhouse and asked if they had moonflower uh, moonflower vines and they pointed me to angel trumpet or what I know is angel trumpet which is uh, a tropical plant that you would use as a house plant and has these pendulous large trumpet shaped flowers that are nice and kind of moon white so it, it, I actually don't know what kind of a hardy shrub might be out there that goes by the name moonflower we have to do a little research on that it see if we can have, figure out yeah a different name though. yeah for what it is, because I would be interested to know that. I mean, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Okay, we'll see what we can find out. If we find out anything while we're while we're on the air, we'll definitely uh, talk about it with the for everybody to hear. Because I think other people would like it too. Okay, well, thank you. You've been a lot of help. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. You Enjoy have a great your program. day. Thank you. Yeah, moon, moon, many moons, <laughs> moon flowers of all sorts and types. And what are we talking about? That's what makes the scientific names so helpful. They're hard and you feel a little bit like a geek, but um, but it, it helps you know what you're talking about. Yes, yes. And even, too, if you don't have a – you're not quite sure. Right. Sometimes you might be able to solve this mystery if you go to a public garden. Yep. And they have all the labels out. Yes. Which is also Makes it very, very helpful. And also, it's a great place to get ideas, too. Oh, absolutely. I agree completely. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel sorry for the people that sometimes have to label all of that. But, you know, everyone, yeah. everyone definitely. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, um, there used to be a major issue in botanical gardens of people, visitors, stealing the signs because um, they liked the plant and they wanted to remember what it was. And so they would just take the sign. And, of course, those things aren't cheap. They're made to last many, many years. Mm-hmm. And that that was an issue for a while, but that issue has started to go away because of smartphones. People take a picture with their phone, and they don't have to take the sign. So, yes, yes, modern technology has helped in many ways, including little ones like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, next time you're visiting a botanical garden, take a picture of the of the label, and then you can take that to the garden center and ask if you can get one for yourself. Yes. Great, great words of wisdom. We also had uh, another listener, Wendy, uh, text in. Uh, how to safely move a piece of a rose bush from a Japanese beetle area to an area without any. Um, she's tried cuttings, can't seem to get them to root. Uh, that's her first question. So, unfortunately, I mean, the Japanese beetles are going to find you. Yeah, yeah. They're going to, you know, I'm not sure if there's quite an area where... You're not going to have any. Yeah. You can run, but you can't hide. Um, Mm -hmm. They will find it. Japanese beetles are famous for devouring roses. Um, They absolutely love them. And they have been really bad this year. Japanese beetles have been awful. What we really need 
for the Japanese beetle population is a cold, cold winter to freeze the ground really deep, freeze those grubs that are overwintering down in the ground, and that'll help reduce the pressure of, of the Japanese beetles. But, but I'm afraid that, yeah, moving the rows uh, isn't going to do any good because if it's in a place where a rose can grow, it's in a place where a Japanese beetle can find it. Yes. Unfortunately. And we've seen that on trees. We've seen it um, at the farm with Napa cabbage is another oh. Japanese beetle plant. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the lindens. The lindens, yeah. yes. All around especially. town, you could see these big brown trees. The poor things, the lindens were just just, just wiped, um, uh, just devoured. They should survive, though, fortunately. They'll, they'll leaf out again next year, so don't, don't get the chainsaw out. But, uh, but yeah, it does kind of break, the, break your heart to see all this damage. They're just unsightly. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, if you have roses, something small, you know, a small landscape plant that's really getting affected, mm-hmm. you could do some insecticidal soaps. BT helps. BT Tea. There's mm-hmm. some other products too uh, mm-hmm. that would you know help with that. Yep. It's just something that it's unfortunately going to be around. Yeah, it's here to stay. It so is. we have to learn how to deal with it. And, and uh, sometimes the answer is look for plants that aren't a favorite food. But you know, you and I, we both mm-hmm. love roses, so we're not going to get rid of our roses anytime soon. Yes, we'll so, deal. Somehow. We'll deal. <laughs> we'll form a support group. Yes. Okay, that works. <laughs> we'll call it the late July, late July, early August support group. That'll so, work. With that, we're going to take our next break of the program. We'll be back in just a few moments to talk more with you on Gardening Today. Welcome back to Gardening Today. Jessica Kropika and Melissa Burdick with you on on, uh, talking all things gardening. And just as a follow-up from our listener, uh, Wendy, about the Japanese beetles, she said they don't have any yet in northwest Iowa. And uh, good for you. That's great news, Wendy. Uh, But in Cedar Rapids, they've had them for years, just don't want to move... just don't want to move them in any earlier and the plant is you know significant for her the Mm -hmm. rose the rose bush that she has so Mm -hmm. she's more concerned about it so that's great news yeah growing up in northwest iowa myself i really didn't seem to encounter japanese beetles like i have in central iowa Mm -hmm. well it's a fairly new a new invasive species that's moving in and and it's kind of marching its way in so the populations are building um the the you know the climate in northwest iowa gets colder Mm -hmm. um sioux city neck Mm -hmm. of the woods um and i think there may be a little bit of a, a zonal difference there that probably a little bit deeper freeze and maybe hopefully the japanese beetle won't ever become quite as much of a problem Mm -hmm. as it is down here so um now when it comes to propagating roses that can be a really difficult thing many of our favorite roses are grafted onto rootstock and so taking a cutting of the top is is going to be more difficult now this one she mentioned is was uh, grandparents so it might be an older variety um and so maybe its own root and getting the roses to root um can can be a better option can be mm-hmm. can be something to try um and then uh, rooting hormone can help with these things it, it's not an easy thing Roses to do are very difficult yeah there's yeah. other things that might be a little bit easier to try mm-hmm. but of course it's it's always nice if you have something special like that plant mm-hmm. to try to make another one of it mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. Uh, or even just if something would happen to it you have another one yep in this other location in your garden yeah a backup exactly <laughs> so now wendy also had a question um, about using an evergreen as a support for sweet autumn clematis 
And um, yes, you absolutely can use the evergreen to be a support for the sweet autumn clematis, but understand that particular clematis vine is very vigorous and very thick and lush. And if you grow it on another plant, it's likely to shade that plant out and kind of block the light and could end up having a negative effect on the evergreen. Yes, so, especially an evergreen yeah. that needs that sunlight. Yeah, so it could work, um, but it, it may not be the most advisable. If you had something else to grow it on, it might be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, sweet autumn clematis, you were mentioning on the break. Mm-hmm. That you used to have one. Oh yes, yeah. Gro- growing up, um, we had my yeah. mom planted a sweet autumn clematis uh, up against the house in the front yard, and it grew up a column on the porch and over the roof, and then over the peak of the roof down to the backyard. So we actually had a sweet autumn clematis in the backyard that we actually was growing in the front yard. So uh, it was <laughs> it was healthy and happy, and it was gorgeous when it bloomed, as they all are. They are always um, they, they, people just. They, they make the jaws drop in the fall, the early fall when those come into bloom. Yes. They're gorgeous. I've even seen them take down a fence <laughs> because they do get heavy. Go uh-huh. ahead and give those a nice prune. Yeah. Uh, you can do that, certainly, and uh, that will help things. You do that yeah. at Brenton? At the yeah, we, we have one on our um, entrance kiosk, and it has to get pretty aggressively uh, sheared back every spring. You can shear it right back to the trellis, really mm-hmm. get aggressive with it, and it'll take over. I mean, it'll take off in, in no time. And uh, so it's it's kind of the vine that ate the kiosk. Uh, but <laughs> we know it's about to bloom, so we don't want to mess with it right now, <laughs> even though it is kind of uh, getting a little wild and woolly. It's, it's gotta gorgeous. Tolerate it for a little bit longer. <laughs> a little right? bit longer, then we'll go after it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we uh, had another listener join us on the line. Yep. Evelyn, good morning, Evelyn. Oh, good morning. I think I have a problem with my lawn. I live south of Ames, and of course we are uh, needing rain real bad. But yes. there's a lot of dead-looking spots in the lawn, and it's mixed up with the green. So I'm wondering if I have a problem with with the lawn some somehow. You know, I wonder if this sounds a little bit like dollar spot. Um, now I have to first and foremost I have to say that that lawns are not my forte, mm-hmm. but I do know that there are certain fungal issues that typically you know fungus we think of as being a situation in moist. Uh, times of year if we have a lot of rain that can help uh, fungus grow Mm -hmm. now little round patches um, maybe a foot across or or larger is something that I I have heard referred to as dollar spot which is a fungal issue and I'd have to do a little bit of research what do you I'm thinking I'm kind of leaning towards and this might be uh, possibly some grub issues could be Mm -hmm. you know those are usually larger patches Mm mm-hmm uh, Irregular yeah. patches. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's some large patches, and then other places there are smaller patches, but it's just not normal because uh, mm-hmm. I've never had it look like this before. And I, like I said, I have some mixed up with green, so I know it's not mm-hmm. just dormancy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, too, what I've seen with garden centers, uh, when I was with a lot of garden centers, uh, if you're able to remove that uh, p- uh, patch of turf pretty easily, mm-hmm. That usually is a signal for grubs. Oh, because oh, yeah. If you could just lift it up, yes, like a toupee. Uh, yeah, huh? yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a toupee. Yeah. So otherwise, you said something about dollar. Dollar spot. It could be a fungal issue. Now, before you go trying to um, 
um, diagnose a fungal a fungal problem or put down fungicide or anything like that, I would recommend consulting a lawn care uh, company who can really have a look at what you've got and uh-huh. and say this is fungal, this is drought, this is insect. Uh, chinch bugs are sometimes an issue on warm season grasses. Um, it could be I, I don't know if you have a dog wander through your yard and tink- no, I don't tinkle. have a dog. Okay, <laughs> so or it's not a, a tinkle spot. Okay, um, so there's a lot of different things that could be and and it's hard to to say uh-huh. what it is without seeing it but someone uh-huh. someone who knows uh, what they're looking at when they see it in person can, okay. can do that and and I, I always like to throw out there you know be wary of lawn companies that always want to jump to a chemical solution um, because that's I mean they're making money and, and sometimes a chemical solution is called for but it's not always the best or the only option out there sometimes just maybe fertilizing and paying attention to water can can establish the health and and keep keep your lawn vigorous and mm-hmm. keep it um from succumbing to the issues in the first place so i i do use a, a lawn uh, company and he did um but he hasn't been there now ah. because he he sprays i think for um all that other grass Crabgrass. Oh, crab mm-hmm. Yeah, he hasn't done that. But I did call him about this, and he said, "Well, it's it's the grubs aren't out yet, so it can't be that." Mm-hmm. So he thought it was just drought. Well, it's not just that because yeah. it's spotty and and just looking strange. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he can drop by and have a have a look at it up close and yeah, and, and have, have, have other that. ideas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well good luck with it. <laughs> good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lawn problems can be an issue these days. I, I know I've actually had to drag the hose out and do some watering at my house. I feel a little guilty, but um, but at the same time, I, I want to keep my lawn healthy mm-hmm. so that crabgrass can't get a toehold or, or anything like that. Yes. So, yeah. And especially, too, with the season that we've had, it's been so hot and dry. I mean, our grass even just... It just it was even almost painful to walk across when yeah. we were out. You know, just crunch, crunch. Oh, and, yeah, it's not a barefoot summer, no, it is unfortunately. Not. Yeah. So, but hopefully, yeah. with the moisture that we've been getting a little bit lately, yeah. a little bit more than uh, lately, yeah. has been uh, better. You know, one of the things I do when I water my lawn is I I like to put a little cup or a say a cat food can or a tuna fish can put that out there uh, so you know how much water you're actually putting down uh, lots of times sprinklers can be deceptive and you think you're putting down a lot of water and actually it's not much of anything and so if you want to you know give your lawn a good deep watering a half inch or so put something out there so you can actually see how much water you're really putting down and uh, that can help make sure that you're not wasting water that you're not causing yourself more issues by doing a itty bitty mm-hmm. little water that's not going to do any good Yes. Yeah. Know what you're know what you're putting down. Exactly. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Melissa. Oh. <laughs> no. There's a few in there. <laughs> with that, we're going to take a break for the local national news. We'll be back in just a few moments to talk more with you on gardening today. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
morning. Welcome back to Gardening Today. I am Melissa Burdick, and I'm here with Jessica Krupika, and we're talking all things gardening, and we're having a really good time. Today's kind of had, had a, a theme come up of moons, moon, <laughs> lunar eclipses and moon flowers and, and, well, hopefully not the other kind of mooning. We're radio. We can't do that. Um, not that we would. But actually, one of the things that was interesting is, is we talked a little bit about sometimes there's confusion between common names, moonflowers, moonflower vine versus moonflower shrubs. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people in Iowa who grow a little shrubby plant um, that's often called a moonflower. Um, it, it's, I think we've done a little research and discovered that this is actually... Uh, Datura. That's the Latin name, Datura. I'm not sure what species it is. Um, many people call that angel trumpets. I've heard it called devil's trumpet. I've heard it called jimson weed. It's, it goes by a lot of different names, and moonflower is one of the common ones. And this is a little um, perennial thing that can die back to the ground. Most of the Daturas that I'm familiar with are not hardy in this zone, which is what's making it difficult for me to pin down what the species is, because clearly it's hardy. It's, it's coming back for people every year and I don't think it's coming back from seed which could be an option Uh, but it's a beautiful little shrub and um, and it does get these big white trumpet flowers that are very fragrant it's a lovely little plant now a lot of people one of the one of the listeners mentioned that you can't find it anymore and my suspicion is because detura is extremely toxic and I think a lot of retailers are kind of scared off by any potential liability selling a plant that's poisonous to pets and people and of course if you eat it that Mm -hmm. that's how you would be poisoned by it so sometimes people shy away from that kind of a thing because they don't they don't want to cause any troubles but it's an heirloom and it gets passed along Mm -hmm. so it's still out there you can still find it and if that's not a a worry for you you can probably find a source for this datura angel trumpet Mm -hmm. somewhere out there Mm -hmm. so was this the is this what you think you encountered at that garden center I think, yeah, I think that that is what I encountered at that okay. at that garden center. And at the time, I thought, well, this that's just a tropical thing. I'd have to bring it in every mm-hmm. year. It's what I know as angel trumpet. And um, and but and now that the listener mentioned they've seen it out, I do recall having seen these things. And honestly, I thought that these homeowners were bringing the plants in and planting them back out again every year. But no, it's it's hardy. So if anybody yes. knows the species of that datura, I would I would be interested. It, I kind of have it narrowed down to metalloides or metal. But then again, all the hardiness information I can find on that says it's not hardy uh, past zone nine, and we're okay. zone five. Yes. So, so we're talking like what? Maybe Texas? No, we're talking Florida. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's a garden mystery. I'll have to find out more. Keep digging, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Get, keep digging. Ha, 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 That's cute. Didn't mean to that. <laughs> but yes. So uh, we had somebody text in asking, "What are the pros and cons of the weed killer preen?" Now, for people who don't know preen, it is a pre-emergent herbicide you put it down in beds or wherever you don't want weed seeds to germinate it, it prevents weed seeds from germinating and it actually it does a 
pretty good job. Um, you can put it down, typically when it comes to pre-emergent herbicides, you put it down when the forsythia blooms yes. in the springtime. That's when you do it. Now, back in southern climates, we would also do a fall application of pre-emergent herbicides, but that's not nearly as common in this neck of the woods. So if you hear someone say recommending a fall application, it's it's only going to have limited um, limited efficacy. Now, there are some cons to using pre-emergent herbicides, uh, not just Preen, but all of them. Um, they, they, they work in two different ways. Number one, they inhibit uh, weed seeds from germinating, so there's a chemical inhibition. And then the other method is there's a physical um, uh, way it inhibits seeds from germinating. And when you put this chemical down, is a little powdery kind of a pellet substance, granular, uh, and then it gets watered in or rained in, it forms a physical barrier. It kind of melts and kind of glues together. So number one, once you put a pre-emergent herbicide down in a bed, you really shouldn't walk in it again because it breaks that physical barrier mm-hmm. and that, that becomes an issue. Then if people are using mulch in their beds, do you put it on before or after the preen, which which goes on first? Uh, that can be difficult because if you, if you put a pre-emergent down and then put mulch on top of it, well, weed seeds are probably just going to germinate right in the mulch, uh, the layer you've just put on top of it. So there's there's a, a you know delicate balance between using it right. It's not a cure-all, but it certainly can help in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. And there's a few crops uh, I can't think of right off the top of my head that you can't use preen on. Yeah, it you inhibits know. the... Um, it. it um, Definitely will inhibit germination. Yes. Obviously, that's the whole point. So exactly. don't put it in your vegetable garden where you've done your seeds. Yes. Vegetable seeds, because it's not <laughs> going to work. Don't put it in your flower garden where you grow nasturtium or zinnia from seed or things like that. But it can also affect new plants that are just planted and rooting in, mm-hmm. and that can be an issue. So um, it really, I would recommend preen for a perennial bed where things aren't getting planted or seeded uh, for uh, mulch rings around trees. It can work well to keep weeds down in those situations too. I've even seen it used on brick patios or paver patios. You sprinkle it on and then sweep it into the the oh. seams, the cracks mm-hmm. and crevices, and it can prevent uh, weeds from germinating in there too. So a lot of different ways you can use it, but it takes a little thoughtful work. Yes, yes. And <laughs> I've even heard about the organic preen. I think it's oh. more of a corn gluten product. Yeah. Have yep. you had experience with that? Um, you know, I think we looked into that at one point, and this was years ago, and mm-hmm. I don't think it was developed to the point where it was worth much of anything at that point. Certainly, I would try it again. I'm the same way. Yeah. I haven't used it for a while, but I remember using it when it first came out. And how did it do for you? It did okay. Not, yeah. not as great, of course. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was a corn gluten product. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's more of a physical barrier. It like, just physically kind of forms a film mm-hmm. and seeds don't want to or can't germinate through it and that's one where even even more so than with preen the chemical type uh, um, herbicides you can't disturb the bed after that you can't if you pull a weed that Mm -hmm. does germinate you've broken that that Mm -hmm. layer that film and then boof the seeds are going to just take off like nothing again yeah yeah so So. it'd be interesting i wonder if anybody if any of our listeners have tried uh, the corn gluten pre-emergent have to try that again there's a lot of corn in iowa 
There's plenty of corn. Should be cheap. <laughs> There's plenty. <laughs> I know I'll have to give that a try again to see if, if see if it's any more effective. Oh, we just got a really interesting text in. Um, Anne has mentioned that her neighbor is feeding raccoons, and now the raccoons are digging in their beds for worms. Any thoughts on how to get rid of them? Oh, no. Oh, man. That's a tough one. That is it. Raccoons are awfully cute. <laughs> what have I heard somebody call them garbage pandas? Yes. <laughs> trash pandas. Trash pandas. Oh, gosh. They are cute, and I can see how people want to feed them because they're they look cuddly, but it's not a good idea to feed wildlife. Um, now that, I don't know how you address that with your neighbor. Um, that's that's a really tough one. As far as keeping them out of your uh, your garden, I, 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 what do you do? I mean, we've... Get a dog? Possibly, <laughs> if you don't have one, possibly. Um, you know, we've had issues with raccoons and sweet corn. It's kind of the classic pest yeah. for sweet corn. Yeah. And we've used, like, electric fences. Yeah. And that's been effective. But that's an awful lot of yeah, installation how are you do yeah. and everything just for a neighbor who's feeding them. Yeah. I think it's probably more important to talk to the neighbor and, yeah. you know, explain your situation, what's going on, and mm-hmm. it's causing a little... A little bit more headache for... You, you might know, also check um, city regulations. Maybe there's some don't feed wild animals. Obviously, people feed birds, and they, you see squirrel feeders and things like that, too. But raccoons, they, they do carry um, some diseases, and, and that, that can be an issue. So your city or your municipality may have some regulations that could help out in a conversation. Not, I mean, nobody wants to get into an argument with their neighbor, especially over doing something nice for the wildlife. But... Um, but try try those techniques maybe um, I have seen things that that are used for crows and deer where it's uh, motion sensor sprinklers mm-hmm. and when it senses motion it'll turn on and, and startle the animal with uh, with a, a jet of water from the water sprinkler don't know if that's gonna work at night mm-hmm. uh, I don't know yes. Yes. <laughs> um, no solid solutions there mm-hmm. that's a tough one yes maybe learn to love raccoons Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, But we are going to take a a quick break of the program. We'll be back in just a few moments after some messages from our sponsors. Good morning. Welcome back to Gardening Today. I'm Melissa Burdick, and I'm here with Jessica Krupika, and we have been talking all things gardening today. Uh, there's not a ton of time left in the show, but man, we sure did get a get a bunch of phone calls. So let's go straight to the phone calls. And uh, good morning, Al. You're on the air with Gardening Today. What's your question for us? I've got a fairly large uh, apple tree, um, and I've got a couple of branches, inch and a half or so, where there's about a foot long section hmm. that's turning black. And from there on down, the branch and the apple seem to be dying off. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a fungus that I should cut that section of the branch off and spray it with something, or uh, what should I do? Yeah, that does definitely sound like a fungal issue. Um, and, and typically what's prescribed in that case is just like you said, cut that part of the branch off. I would cut maybe a foot further back, six inches to a foot, to try and get rid of that um, that fungal issue. And definitely after you've made the cut, sanitize your tools, the saw or the pruners or loppers, whatever it is you used, and you can just use uh, rubbing alcohol or bleach and spray on it to disinfect that before you make any other cuts. And um, Je- Jessica, do you grow, you have apples out of the farm. We do have a couple yeah. of apples. I'm wondering if it's black rot. 
mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. exactly what you would do. Mm-hmm. And then you could also use like a fungicide on it as well. Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, you want to but it happens cut it out and get rid time. of it. Yeah, yeah, it does. What, what should I put on the tree? You could uh, look for a fungicide. A general fungicide. Mm-hmm. Fungicide. Also, what you might do next spring um, is consider something like dormant oil or a um, Bordeaux mix, which is a, a copper fungicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something you want to do early in spring to help uh, submit or suppress fungal spores. It also works on things like apple scab and scale uh, to help cold that down. But you don't want to use that here in the high heat of summertime. It's not. It's it can be damaging to the tree. Yep, definitely uh, early spring. Yep. Or yeah. like late winter. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Good, good luck. luck. And uh, we also had a caller. We just saw the topic brief- briefly, but it looks like he possibly hung up about uh, blossom end rot is what we're suspecting on tomatoes. It's more of a physio- uh, physiological disorder uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's not enough calcium coming into that tomato. Hmm. You're going to get a little bit of, you know, like kind of a rot at the bottom, disfigured. Mm-hmm. Take those fruits off, mm-hmm. and then uh, you can want to water consistently mm-hmm. on those t- tomatoes. It also happens with peppers as well. And uh, you're also going to want to look for uh, fertilizers that might have more phosphorus in them. So okay. maybe less nitrogen, maybe a little more more phosphorus. If you do like a tomato-specific fertilizer, usually that will address the problem because mm-hmm. it's more balanced, you know, for that specific crop. And they are out there. So so more phosphorus helps with the calcium deficiency. Yes. It's probably like a, a, a co-mineral uptake kind of a thing. Uh, now, I've heard of, have I heard of milk treatments? Milk spray or something like that? It, am I I've, dreaming? I, I've heard of it. I have never tried it myself. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if any of our listeners have as well. But I mean, mm. it makes sense. It's calcium. Yeah. It's a lot of calcium there. Or, well, maybe it's pretend. Yes. We'll, we'll have to <laughs> Placebo. Re- report back on that possibly. Uh, but that's something probably a lot of our uh, tomato growers out there might be yeah. encountering at this part of the season. Yeah, could be. We certainly are. And we have to take off those fruits. and. Ugh. Hope for the best on the next the next round. That's right. Hey, we have another caller that I'm pretty interested to hear. Um, and here, hi, Linda. We we hear you have some solutions to our raccoon problem. Yes. Hello. Um, we were told about thirty or thirty five years ago, as we lived here about forty now, that the way to keep the coons out of your corn is to run a radio all night. Oh, that lady's case. Maybe it's all day and all night to keep them out of her <laughs> stuff. How interesting! But it really works. And well, that's definitely an organic solution, a creative <laughs> one, and also. Um, you know, I don't know if you have a lot of plug-ins or a lot of batteries, but it mm-hmm. does, you know, it needs to run all night or however long it is she's trying to keep these animals out. And huh. we have an, uh, raccoons that live in a great big tree, so we know it works. Well, that's that's a great idea. I've never heard that, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, what, the, what do they do they dislike? Talk radio? Like, evidently, heavy metal? Voices. And, voices. Or, you know, and there would be radio voices all the time. We keep it on WHO constantly. Okay, so maybe we need to turn on the Gardening Today podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Find some older well, whatever episodes. Whatever they want to do, just so there's voices going, and that won't upset the neighbor, I wouldn't think, unless they don't, if they have it real loud. But you have to have it loud for these raccoons oh. to stay away. Interesting. Yep. So you'll you'll keep the raccoons away, but you might attract gardeners to your yard if you play our podcast yeah. all night. Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke. 
<laughs> well, great idea. Thank you. Well, that's one way for ratings, right? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> play, play our podcast to keep the raccoons away. Yes, exactly. Hmm, that's Actually, a, so that's a dubious claim. <laughs> I have I have heard of that, you know, um, you know, with people playing music, you yeah. know, to their tomatoes and everything like that, which we do not do. I mean, the only time that probably is happening is if there's a podcast and I'm weeding. Right. You know, that's yeah. that's the extent of I guess yeah. the entertainment at our farm. <laughs> so uh but well, you, you know, know you play, never know. Playing music all night long could have two effects. Either it keeps the raccoons away or it irritates your neighbors and they say, Why are you playing music all night long? And you say, Well, I'm trying to keep the raccoons that you're feeding away. So maybe hmm yeah, maybe that could work. <laughs> well, neighbor warfare. <laughs> With the radio. Yes. Yes, of course. Metallica, I think, would do the trick. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we wanted to remind our listeners again uh, that next week is the Iowa State Fair broadcast. Mm. Yay! We are going to be out at the Discovery Garden. It's mm-hmm. just a wonderful place. If you have been to the State Fair, I'm sure you've checked out the Discovery Garden. If you haven't, make mm-hmm. sure to make a point of it. Isn't it just past the giant pumpkins? It is. It's <sighs> kind of in that area. So usually there's some giant pumpkins on pallets that are just, you know, out of this world. Yeah. As well as, you know, it's just uh, towards the agriculture building, just right on the side of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron and I will be broadcasting live. We'll be answering questions and meeting some of our listeners out there. So if you're planning on going out to the garden, uh, come out between uh, 10 and 12, our usual times. Mm-hmm. Be sure to say hi. We can answer your questions on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, we call very personal answers because we're, we're right there. And um, it's going to be wonderful. I can't wait. Yeah. And, and then the next weekend, mm-hmm. you and I will be at the WHO uh, uh, the iHeart Media the, the, the studio. studios. Yeah, yes. there's an actual studio. So air conditioning. I hope. Yes, I, I hope do. it's near a funnel cake stand too. I'm sure they probably could make that okay, happen. Good. Very good. There's only just one of so many to choose from. All of my needs are met then. <laughs> so, AC and funnel cake. Yes. So in the meantime, uh, stay cool out there and uh, keep gardening. We'll be here uh, with you next week to talk more gardening on gardening today. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.